This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, one of our regulars. I think probably our only regular. Oh, there's Tane on politics. But we have our gardening guru, Professor Wally Richards. Needs no introduction. Professor Wally, how are you? Yeah, good morning. Actually, I've lost the picture somewhere. Ah, there we go. Yes, Tell me, Wally, can I do a wee brag? Okay. I have done a lot wrong in my garden. And every time that I've done something wrong, it's because I have neglected to follow a Wally step. Because I've gone off half cock thinking, yeah, I've got that, I've got that. And then I've messed it up. Uh, one thing I did wrong was I didn't understand quite the significance of seed mix, and one busy day I thought I could do without it. Nope, bad idea. But joy of joys of joys. My potatoes have sprouted. Very good. Do you know, it's quite probable that other people have had that happen to them through the course of history. But... I'll take times, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> For my potatoes to sprout. It was, I'm so excited that my potatoes sprouted. It's just glorious. And it's amazing how a mundane thing that you drive past or look at anyone's garden, and I wouldn't have given two hoots about the potato patch, but for my potatoes to sprout has filled me with the unbelievable joy. Gardening is so much fun, so therapeutic. It is so wonderful. So my potatoes have sprouted, and I'm overjoyed. If I get potatoes, like I tell everyone, it'll be a plus, but I'm getting the sprouts. Now, Wally. Okay, yeah. Actually, that is the peak time in gardening, basically, is when you've planted seeds, or potatoes in your case, and next thing they pop up through the soil, and it's it's incredible. It, 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 that is the highlight of gardening, basically. Yeah. That's, you see that your efforts have been successful. Later on, harvesting is also a great pleasure because yeah. you've got the uh, produce that you've grown yourself and you're going to take it into the kitchen and you're going to cook it or do whatever with it and uh, and eat it. Um, so, I um, I, and it's the miracle of a seed, like my tomato seeds, were so small when I put them in the ground. I've done a great job thus far with my tomatoes because I followed your instructions to the letter. My tomato seeds are so small, and now they're up like, oh, I'm in old-fashioned units for plants, six inches, eight inches high, staked, and looking wonderful. One of them's flowering. And from a little tiny seed. It's a miracle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's magic. It's magic. Now, speaking of magic, I swear by your magic botanical liquid, right. which is I've used on my plants. You got an email from a listener about MBL. Tell me what that is. Yeah, um, just a second. I'll drop the screen down here. And says, Wally, first time in my life, I generally wanted to leave a review on a product. Your MBL is real, really magic. I'm not only bad in gardening in general, 
I'm also new to try it in this hemisphere, so obviously from the other side of the planet. So I managed to kill an aloe vera. Have no idea how these things just happen. The only thing left is a tiny leaf, and she sent a photograph. Um, there are no roots, all rotten, so I put it in a cacti potting mix a couple months ago and been just rambly, randomly applying about a spoon of your diluted MBL. And today I noticed that the green dot inside, the new leaf is trying to grow. She carries on, and this is the interesting part, which I must try myself. Also, during the last two years, I've been trying to propagate golden kiwi fruit and some other tropical fruits as well, unsuccessfully. Tried different Google advices until about a couple months ago. I just smeared the ripe, ripened fruit over the potting mix and applied some MBL. So she would have squashed the ripe fruit over the mix and then uh, watered in some MBL. Been applying it randomly, same as the aloe vera. And the day before yesterday, suddenly noticed several live seedlings. Have no idea what to do <laughs> if they grow further. <laughs> but with the MBL, I have got the unlimited amount of tries. Now waiting for the mango seedling season. So she's going to um, produce a mango as well. Okay, so that's interesting because um, to germinate um, golden kiwi fruit, of course, you'd probably need a male and female because of, for pollination. Um, but, yeah, um, great stuff. I've... How exciting is it to get an email like that where someone with no green thumbs has got such excitement and such joy from a product of your, yours and is now gardening and doing something extraordinary, I think, growing kiwi fruit from a kiwi fruit. Yeah. Um, somehow, rather playing on my computer, I've got you as a little wee picture now. <laughs> Up and, ah, there we are. You're back. Oh, you got me oh. back as a big picture. Oh, yeah, I've got the big picture now. Yeah, well, I'm uh, still good. You looking. look so small there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could, the I could do oh, with God. losing 30 kgs or something. Tell me, Wally, uh, what's on the agenda? It's a busy time of year in the garden. Um, I've got my lovely mother-in-law visiting, and she's been uh, working in my garden and helping, and she's done a great job. There's a lot to do. Uh, what would you like to cover off with us today? Okay. Well, one, one of the things that happens this time of the year People prepare new gardens for their vegetables, for their flower plants, etc. And they work the soil, make a nice, lovely garden, and then they either plant seeds or seedlings into it. And next day they go out, and my God, it has been destroyed. The cats in the neighbourhood have found a new toilet, a beautiful, lovely soil toilet. And they said, oh, my God, this is heaven. And so they have applied a lot of interesting manure, mm. usually out of a, <laughs> a tin of cat food, which is yuck. And, um, of course, seedlings have been disrupted, seeds, et cetera, et cetera. Now, 
to overcome the problem, we have a product called Wally's Cat Repellent, right? And I think I may have spoken about this before. It's naphylene. Naphylene has a very strong smell and the same smell as mothballs, actually, before mothballs got banned because children um, putting them into their mouths thinking they're lollies, which we never did when we were kids. We knew no, we managed to get by. Yeah, we, we knew the difference between a lolly and a mothball. Strange <laughs> <laughs> that how things have changed. <laughs> Sorry, I just we did know the difference between a lolly and a mothball. Yeah, Mothballs yeah. were typically found in the woodrobe or cupboard. And lollies were found in lolly packets or lolly jar. That was a giveaway. <laughs> um, yeah, but, um, you know, anyway. anyway. Um, so the story is you use naphylene or um, cat repellent um, to keep the moggies off your garden. Now, naphylene, too, is a chemical. So if it's a flower garden, um, it's not good, but it doesn't matter too much because you're not going to eat the flowers. But in your veggie garden, uh, it's most important that you're not going to put a chemical into the soil for the plants to take up and be in your food chain. You've got enough rubbish in the food chain anyway without having to add to it. So what I suggest, and this is, this is a good thing, that people having radio like this, I, I realised the other day, listening to radio, you've got to use your imagination. Mm. right? And, and of course, these days with gadgets and TV, et cetera, et cetera, you just look and you see a picture and you get the story. You, mm. This is radio without pictures. Remember mm. that program? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my suggestion is this. You get yourself a two-liter milk bottle, plastic milk bottle, right? It's got a handle, et cetera, et cetera. It's plastic. It's empty, hopefully, <laughs> because you're going to cut the base off. The bottom of it, you're going to cut off, right? Mm. And then you're going to take the cap off the other end, right? And you've got the handle there, and you can sit that down on the ground with the handle up, and inside it, you put a rock yeah. so it doesn't blow around, right? Let's just prevent it from blowing around. And then inside that, you put about a tablespoon of the cat repellent. And you can sit that quite safely in the middle of your veggie garden where you plant it up, right? Because it's not going to get into the soil. Then away from that, you scatter some of the flakes around. Now, what happens is the cat comes along and it smells as naphylene. Now, my thoughts are that... The cat probably thinks it's a great big moggy has come through and marked the territory. And if he comes back and she's there, she's history, literally. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she, she leaves the area alone. The problem with naphylene, if it's rained on or watered on, it disappears very quickly. But if it's in a dry situation, it will last for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? Slowly mm. evaporating. And inside the plastic milk bottle, it will last for a long, long time. So when she comes back, the smell's still there, and she thinks, oh, oh my God. And so eventually the cats have to find a new toilet somewhere else, change their habits, otherwise they're very constipated. Yeah. <laughs> 
they and they are creatures of habit. They go to the same place to go to the toilet over and over. And it's never in their own section. It's never. always in the neighbours because mm. they don't want to mess there in their own backyard. Mm. Right. Tell me, Wally, you I got it that you put the Napoline. The Napoline is a solid product. It's not a liquid. It's flake. It's, it's flake. yeah, crystals, yeah. Okay. And so you put, was it a tablespoon or a teaspoon? I can't recall. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, tablespoon. Okay. Uh, we and then you little... sprinkle the odd little flake around and a small dose in the soil around that, right? Yeah, on the lawn or somewhere near the veggie garden, but not oh, in but the Oh, but not in, ah, oh, sorry, I missed that, but not in the veggie garden, around no. the area of the veggie garden where you're not eating anything. Right. And um, how big an area would that protect, that one dose? Um, good question. Um, I would say probably about 10 square metres. Okay. So you could do, if you've got a big garden, you might want to do two, or, two three. or three. Yeah, got it. Right, yeah. So you can get that from your from you from, uh, oh, gosh, it's been so long, Wally, your webpage page. You can Which email is, Wally at wallyjr at gardennews1n.co.nz. If you forget to put the da- – if you for- if you do like I do, put two ends, uh, i just got to tell you not to eat the napoline because you probably – the kid that had the mothball thinking it was a lolly. Or you can give Wally a call, 0800 466 464. And they can order it. Quite a few garden centres throughout New Zealand, Mitre Tens and so forth, have the product, Wally's um, Cat Repellent. It's okay. got a big scary cat on the label. It's easy to see. It's in a child-proof container because it's. I'm the only person in New Zealand legally, according to the government, allowed to sell nepheline because it's been banned after the children lolly uh, mothball incidents. Okay. And um, so if you go to your garden centre or you might attend, if they haven't got it, tell them to get it in. Yes, from there. help Wally. Yeah, yeah, because uh, a lot of these places, um, some other companies pay for shelf space, which I, I refuse to pay for shelf space. So mm. my products often either go down the very bottom shelf where nobody can see them or so high up if you were a dwarf you wouldn't even know they existed. Mm. Um, so it's quite disgusting what is happening um, in business. I've had this complained a lot when I was an MP about how producers are paying retail shops to promote their product. Because mm. at one level, it seems a bit like bribery. Well, you know what I mean. Look, look what the pharmaceutical industry did. I know. <laughs> that they pay <laughs> millions out <laughs> for doctors and everybody. $250 the doctor got for everybody shot up. Yeah. My God. Um, so, yeah. Uh, otherwise, from our mail order website, which is www.0800-466-464.co.nz, um, that's the same as our telephone number our website, and you can mail order from there. We phone you after we get the order. You can't pay for it online. We don't let people give us money for nothing. So we have a talk to them and sort out the order and do credit cards safely over the phone or bank transfer.
So tell me, yeah. Wally, are you getting a bit of business off the off our listeners? Oh yes, yes, very okay. much so. Yeah, um, a lot of them when they place the order and I talk to them on the phone, they say. Uh, oh my God! You sound just like you did on <laughs> Radio <laughs> Reality. I said, "Funny that, funny, funny." Yeah. I don't change my voice for the program. No, you I, don't put your BBC accent on. No. Well, you get a lot of great feedback when you're on the show. So tell me, Wally, um, new gardens, new gardeners. What's on the agenda for them? Okay. Well, this is of course big planting time, right? Um, the soil is coming up to a nice um, temperature for germination. So you can germinate flower, veggie seeds um, in your garden. Uh, the garden centre has got lots of seedlings, different varieties and stuff like that. The only aspect at the moment is it's a little bit early for planting the likes of cucumbers, um, pumpkin, etc. outside because they won't do much until the temperatures get more even and warmer, mm. right? Mm. But in a glass house, of course, I'll thrive. Mm. Um, but everything else, tomatoes, you name it, go for it. Um, mm. But one of the things, too, that a lot of people don't realise that have got a pet dog or dogs is that when you're gardening and doing little jobs like planting seeds and seedlings, your dog should be inside the house with curtains drawn so he can't see what you're doing. <laughs> Very important because if he's standing there watching you doing all this planting up of seeds and seedlings and stuff like that, when you go inside, he thinks, ah, it's my turn, and then he goes. Because <laughs> you're a great dog man, right? Oh, yeah, I've got three dogs currently, yeah. Um, and... Um, Yes, it's the thing that happens. My dogs uh, are not gardening dogs. They're more pufta-type dogs, you know. They're yeah. Little, yeah fluffy. I don't know if you're allowed to say that these days, Wally. Oh, 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 oh. puffy, <laughs> puffy, puffy. Oh, puffy. <laughs> okay. Um, tell me, um, if you're having trouble with a neighbour's dog, does the – is it Napoline? Does it work? No. Uh, it might in some cases, but no, it, it basically doesn't. There's a product out there called Skunk Shot, um, which some garden centres have. I don't have it. Um, but the smell of that and what you're supposed to do is you put, um, you know, the golf ball teas. Yeah. Um, you get some of those and you put a dab of this Skunk Shot on the top of that and you stick the tea into the ground and the areas where you want to protect or prevent the dog from coming in, which reminds me, and you may remember this, many, many years ago, you used to drive around the place and you see all these uh, bottles of uh, Coke bottles or oh, with whatever with, lemon, uh, with water in them, right? Yes, I do remember. It's not a thing now. Right, uh, yeah. Now, On the lawn. It was the best fake information that you could imagine. The, the key to it was, from the originators, said that dogs will not urinate near water. Right? Which, in a sense, you think, okay, fair enough, they won't urinate near water because they spoil the water they're going to drink. So everybody, stupidly enough, got out their plastic 
uh, cordial bottles, filled them with water, put the cap on and threw them out in the in their front lawn, thinking that no dogs would come near the front lawn. Uh, didn't work, of course. Uh, hey, I remember of, that. I thought it was that the dog would look at it and see itself in the reflection and run away. That's what someone told me. And I thought, ah, it seems preposterous. Yeah, and it's, it, obviously it didn't work because it's not now a thing. It just popped up. And I can remember driving around Auckland and gosh, just about every second house in some streets would have the have the lemonade bottles lying around with water, half filled with water. Right. Isn't that funny? Um, what else, Wally? Yeah, well, one thing about it too, the um dog catchers, et cetera, have done a great job. I mean, and now the fines are so horrific. If your dog is running around loose and so forth, it gets picked up. You have to pay to get the dog back. Um, so back in our times with the bottles on the lawn, um, of course, there was really no great effort to prevent dogs from roaming. Mm. Uh, nowadays there is. So that's all good. So now, okay, um, here's one which is interesting. Some people like to grow pumpkins, squash, pumpkins, um, cummy cum, you know, those ones. Now, they take a lot of room because they're a big fine, and unless you've got a big property to let them meander around and, and produce. If you haven't got a big property, there is a way that I found some years ago very successful is that you plant them near some shrubs or small trees, and you train the vine up the tree and over the shrubs. Ah. So they're up in the air, they're not taking up space on the ground, and as a result of that, um, the fruit too is formed up in the air. So it's not sitting on the ground where it can get damp and rotted, right, which you've got to protect pumpkins um, if the soil is quite moist. Sitting in moist soil, of course, can cause rots. So, yeah, um, the ideal thing with growing pumpkins the old traditional way is you um, make a mound. It's got a lot of animal manure in it, a um, bit of um, uh, garden lime, and you plant three seeds or seedlings into the mound and let them go for it. Now, another problem that happens, particularly with called jets, um, this time or zucchinis, whatever you like to call them, is that people grow them, they're a big plant, uh, they take quite a bit of room, and, and the key to that is you remove the older leaves so it doesn't take quite so much room, but it sort of spreads out a bit. But they get a flower on there and they've got a little young fruit and the next time they go, it's all gone rotten. Why? It never got pollinated. There was mm. no bumblebees around or whatever to do the pollination from the male to the female flower, right? So growing pumpkins, cubits, um, zucchinis, I always go out uh, in the morning when I feed the chickens and so forth and check the plants for flowers. And the female flower, of course, has the embryo fruit in behind the petals, so you can distinctly see 
it's a female, right? The male, of course, is a, a stamen um, without any uh, embryo fruit behind it. So once you find a, a female flower, um, then you go and find a male that's got a good amount of pollen on the stamen, and you, I'd, I'd pick the flower, take the petals off, so I've got this bare um, stamen there, and then I put that into the female flower and give it a bit of a rub, right? She loves it. <laughs> <laughs> Wally. And you've got to be careful that you don't let the neighbours see you do this, yes, of course. You know, you know, it's not, not, not good thing for the neighbours, especially if they're prim and proper. Mm. Um, and that sets the fruit. Good as gold. No trouble at all. If you don't do that, um, then you're leaving it up to bumblebees or whatever to actually do the pollination for you, which means that you can lose a lot of fruit. Tell me, are the male flowers and the female flowers on the one plant or on separate yes. plants? Okay. On the one plant. On the, on the one plant. And, so, so, and, sorry. Sorry, I interrupted. And tell me this. You know how you were having them growing up shrubs and and bushes and trees? Yep. Is that the bib, bib, big pumpkins or just those little wee ones? No, big pumpkins. As long as it's a strong shrub or tree to be able oh, wow. to take the weight. Right. Wow. Uh, and I've, I've grown, you know, a good sized pumpkin on, on say, a pittosporum. Um, Gee whiz. And yeah, they, they just. What's a pittosporum in everyday words? It's one of the native plants. Okay. Shrubs. Yeah, Trust. a common native. Um, one of the things, too, is that quite often in nature, um, you get a Male flowers and no females, and then you'll get females and no males, right? And yeah. it's, I think it's all co-related to weather and things like that. So you've got your zucchini plant growing there, and lo and behold, you've got your females, but there's no males, right? You can go then off to your pumpkin plant and find a male flower and pollinate the female zucchini flower. It works. You definitely want the neighbours to see that. No, 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 because that's all. Yeah. That's, so how, and what, uh, you get a zucchini or a pumpkin or half of No, no, you get a zucchini and it's called plant swapping. <laughs> how funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it works. Um, cucumbers, et cetera, et cetera, um, because they're all in the same family. Okay. I've not come across, and there's always a possibility that the um, – Fruit could turn more like a pumpkin than a zucchini, but generally speaking, no, it comes true to um, form. Well, now, um, when you said if you've got them growing along the ground, they can rot, how do you prevent that happening with a pumpkin? Okay, once a pumpkin forms and gets up to a bit of size, um, I just put a slat of wood underneath. Okay. Just raise it off the wet soil. Mind yes. you, the wood, of course, when it rains, will get wet, etc. But it will dry out quicker in yeah. the soil. Um, yeah. I and, was always told as a boy that pumpkins grew towards water. Is that true? Grew towards water. Yeah, like that. My my uh, uncle had a creek at the a water race at the back of his garden, and he'd plant his pumpkins. And the plants would grow along the ground, he reckoned, heading towards the water race. Is that is that an old wives' tale? 
You'd have to get your um, Coca-Cola bottle filled with water. <laughs> well, as soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, I thought, how would the pumpkin in the water was? <laughs> I probably ate a mothball when I he told me that. Um, that is a silly thing, isn't it? But I, yeah, I got that in the back of my head. It was my one bit of gardening knowledge that I grew up with, and it was fake. I feel devastated, Wally. I, I see no logical reason for it to happen. Nah. Um, no. The roots of plants will go to the water, of course. Because um, they can feel it, right? But the well, plant can't. Yeah. yeah. They, they can feel there's, there's a gradation of water going this way, war water. Oh, I'll grow a bit more because there's water. Tell me, one thing I've done, Wally, and I hesitate to raise this with you because I might get smacked. I might have done a dreadful thing. But the other night I decided to grow some, plant some leeks and some cauliflower because I love both. And I'm doing what you suggest. Just I did a row half and half. And I, in two or three weeks, I'll do another row. But I thought I'd be clever because I had good soil with lots of rotted manure in it. And I thought, I'm very tight. I've got Scottish ancestry. I'm very tight. And I thought, I'm not throwing a whole bucket of seed mix on the top of that. So I dug a hole, you know, with a little wee gardening trowel, filled it with, I guess, a cup of seed mix and put my seed in that seed mix, thinking I'm not spreading seed all over the garden where it's not needed because these were quite well spaced out. Was that a smart thing? Yeah, of course, because it's been thrifty. Um, yes. You're, you're only going to fertilise or feed where the plant is going to be. Mm. Uh, what's the point of feeding all the weeds that are going to come yes. up? Um, oh, good. So, no, I, I do the same thing. If I'm planting a seedling, rather than spreading fertiliser or manure or all over the whole shooting box, um, I will put it in the planting hole. Mm. Um, mind you, with manure, because I have chickens, I, I have lots of manure, and living in Martin, um, you take a drive um, out into the um, surrounding area and you see on the side of the road uh, pony poo, horse manure, mm. you know, bags, $2 a bag, you know, good mm. value, mm. Um, except for the weed seeds that are in it, mm. <laughs> of course. Mm. But um, in a raised garden, I tend to spread the whole lot over the garden, right, and then um, then some calcium, um, garden lime, and I use my calcium now. And that's a very important thing too. People growing vegetables, which is like cabbages, brassicas, um, family, uh, peas, beans, um, everything except tomatoes and pumpkin, uh, potatoes, should I say, sorry, you've got to lime the soil because if you don't and the pH is too acidic, the plants, even though there's lots of food there, they won't grow of any consequence. They've got to change the pH so it becomes alkaline, and then they can feed and grow very well. And to do that, you need a soft lime. There's two types of lime, hard lime and soft lime. In the old days, we used to use hard lime, 
and we would lime every year, and it would be the 10th year that lime from 10 years ago would be active, right? So because you're doing it every year, you had this turnover. Hard lime comes from limestone, even though it's been powdered down. And when you wet your fingers and put some between your fingers and you rub your thumb and finger together, it's gritty. It's hard lime. Mm. If it's soft lime and you wet your fingers and put some between them and rub, it turns into a slurry. That's soft lime. And that's quick acting because it's mm. ready to go. The lime that we have and sell, we sell as Wally's Calcium and Health, it's serpentine lime. It's very soft lime. It's very quick acting. But we add to that all the things that people would like to have in their garden, like boron sulfur, selenium, all those elements, mm. which the plants will take up. And instead of having to buy the pills and the health supplements, um, they're going to get it through their food chain. And mm. so calcium and health, um, good to use in your veggie garden, and that's the only place you use it. Uh, the reason we don't use it for, for tomatoes and potatoes is because they preferred a little bit acidic, right? Okay. But they when, still need calcium. When is a good time to supply the lime, and how long does it last? Um, you can side dress an existing garden with it, or yeah. you can uh, put a little bit in the planting hole, which is a you Scottish people with the yes. short arms and, and yes. deep pockets do. Yes. Um, uh, or you could broadcast it over the ground um, per se. And can you overline? No, not really, because uh, it balances out. Okay. Um, and do you do it on a regular basis or annually? How often do you lime your garden? Um, every time you plant up, you would give okay. a little bit of lime in the area you're going to plant your carrots or your Good um, beans or whatever. Now, speaking of carrots, we're going to uh, settle the controversy. I didn't say anything at the time, but one of my friends, because we talk gardening now, one of my friends went off to a composting seminar put on by the local council here, and they had a professor of composting speak. And one of the things he said is that carrots don't like growing in nutrient-dense soil. And in fact, they'd go quite good in sand. This was the account given to me. I might be doing the man a disservice. Is that true? Well, if there's a lot of nitrogen um, food in the growing medium where you're growing your carrots, the chances are they'll fork. So instead of having one carrot go down, it will start ah. to produce. So it's kind of like we call it forking. Okay. Um, it, it can also happen too if – the area that you're planting in uh, isn't fry friable, right? Yeah. So, in other words, the top couple of inches might be quite good, but a bit further down, it starts to become hard. When that root goes down into the soil, it hits a hard area, which is an obstruction, and it kind of stops, and then you can get forking happening again. Okay. So if you're not getting forking, you're okay. 
Yeah, true. Kai, you get so much advice for a newbie gardener, and I wish I'd kept a diary. Um, you think, oh, I won't forget that, and of course you forget yesterday, you can't remember what you did. Um, but it seems always tedious to keep a diary because you know what to do next year and what not to do. But it's tough. I'm gonna I'm 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 a I'm a member of the Professor Wally Richards School of Gardening because you get contradictory advice. I have to say I've got a very good book. I've got the Otago Daily Times gardening book, which has been published for over a hundred years, I think, from memory. It's a very old book, but it keeps getting updated with new editions. And I particularly love it because it gives you, Wally, a timetable for Otago for outdoors. Right. And yep. um, and you can look at the book. It'll have a section on potatoes, but you can look at the book and it will say what to do in October and November. You know, you can be doing this and you can be doing that. And I find that a little helpful because I guess it's like cookery. Once you get cooking, you end up with lots of cooking books. And once you get gardening, you get gardening books. I've got all the Wally books. And I've got the Otago book. And that's my gardening go-to. That's my enough for me. And then I'm a, I'm a member of the Professor Wally Richards Gardening School because I hear all this other advice and I just think, God, I'm having, I'm struggling just keeping up with what Wally's telling me and missing vital steps even then. And I'm worried that if I start getting contrary advice, I'll lose my, I'll lose it. It'll get too overwhelming. I'm a simple boy. What else is on the agenda this time this week, Wally, in the garden? Okay. Um, well, 1.2 was planting root crops such as your potatoes, carrots, parsnips, etc., etc. Um, we have a product called Biofos, mm-hmm. um, which has got uh, reactive rock phosphate broken down naturally by microbes, and that should be applied um, to your gardens, particularly where you're growing root crops, because that makes a difference uh, to them. Also, we were talking before about garden lime. Now, if you're going to uh, give your tomatoes some uh, calcium, you use dolomite, right, because it's magnesium and calcium, and it's pH neutral. So it doesn't change the pH of the soil, but it gives the tomato plants um, the calcium it would like. And the magnesium is good, of course, Epsom salt, magnesium, good for the leaf colour, photosynthesize and so forth. For potatoes, you use gypsum. Gypsum is calcium and sulfur, and that is ideal for root crops. It certainly makes a difference. There used to be um, a product, I think it came from Canada, called, I, I forget the name, something like Super Roots or something like that. Very expensive product. Um, it was came in, It was a powder and it came into some shops and so forth, selling at a horrendous price. And, in fact, one shopkeeper told me the only people that were buying it was those people going out and growing those funny tomato plants out in the country. <laughs> <laughs> hidden away. They yeah, those hidden, hidden tomatoes, yes. Yeah, yeah, cash crops. Um, um, but that was actually gypsum mainly okay. in that product. Okay. Um, I'm going out to get my lime today when I pick the kids up and spread a little bit because um, I've gypsumed, uh, I think, my garden. Because that does it, is it gypsum that breaks down clay? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes. no, I've done that. So I might have enough of that. Now, Wally, how many chickens have you got? Uh, 19. Wow. 
Is that a lot? Um, well, if they all laid an egg every day each, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I get between six to ten eggs. I, I think some of them have rests and, you know, they yeah. go on holiday and so forth. And besides that, uh, I'm not a person that culls out their chickens. Um, like, they live, even if they don't produce eggs, until they die. And, and that's it, right? Yeah. Um, so if, if you're really into having eggs from chickens, um, you'd have them for maybe a couple of years, so you get rid of them, get a fresh lot. Um, and just kill them. Um, well, I'm going to make a call out. I'm going to make a call out on the show for anyone who knows about raising chickens and chicken coops to text me at 2057 or email me inbox at radio to come on the show because that's my next big thing. I'm going to start raising chickens. And you've shocked me a bit because I was speaking to my wife. I was looking at chicken coops and there was one design online you could have up to eight chickens and eight hens another one you could have up to 18 and my wife said oh no eight would be plenty but if you've got that many eight's not going to do it because i'm a bit like you i couldn't be culling them um so we need someone to come on and explain to us how to how to who's hands on and explain coops and looking after chickens and all the rest of it is it easy to raise hens and have them laying eggs for you well i don't have a rooster um, yeah. anymore, so hence uh, you have to buy all the chickens in. Yeah. Um, the best chickens to buy are what we call pointer lay. Um, they're usually around about 8, 12 weeks old, something about there, and they're in the situation where they're starting to lay eggs. They locally in Levin, I can buy them for $35 each, um, mm-hmm. which is not a bad price. Um if you raise them yourself, the only problem with um, having a rooster and letting a pullet, uh, not a pullet, but um, a bantam chook or another chook sitting on the eggs and hatching them is that you don't know whether you're going to get hens or uh, roosters. Yes. And so you end up with some hens, some roosters, and and if you're in a town situation, um Roosters are not actually accepted by their neighbours because no. they tend to crow in the morning, <laughs> and and if they're disturbed in the middle of the night, they crow again. Yeah, well, uh, I like crowing in the morning, and that's enough. Wally, uh, we're going to have to get someone on about chooks to, to actually make a chook house yourself. That's simple to do. I oh, no, I'm going to make one. Yeah, how do you make one? Uh, out of um, fifty by fifty. Um, Tantalized uh, wood, right? Yeah. I make, um, how can I explain this? You've got, and also I use five ply, right? So I make a frame out of the 50 50, right? Yeah. And part of it is actually a nesting box, which is up um, about chest high, right, Uh, my height, a chest height, right. So that sticks out the back. Okay, well, and you've got a lid so you can they lay eggs in there. Yeah, that's what I need. I'm going to do this, but we need help, all of us. So anyone that's, any listener that 
know someone or can do it. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be Professor Wally Richards level expert um, who can help us. That would be wonderful because I was going to go off and just Google it, and I thought, no, I can probably do better than that. I'll, I'll photograph. Like, this is one I, I designed myself. Well, and, if and Wally's photographed. I would love to see it. I would love to see it, Wally. Wally, always a pleasure. Uh, love it about the cats and the dogs. Love it about what we have to do in the gardening. Love your gardening advice. Looking forward to having you back soon. And remember, Wally's Magic Botanic Liquid, I don't get paid or anything like this for Wally. Uh, I just love Wally's advice. And i got to say, I love his product. It is tremendous product. Um, that's not an advertisement or anything. That's just practical advice. Um, I have my MBL and I sprout like that lady randomly, and you can see the difference. You can see the you, you can see the plants perk up <laughs> with that. It's wonderful. Uh, there you go. Rally Check Radio, real talk with Rodney Hyde. Please remember, uh, send us a text at twenty fifty seven. Email me inbox at radleycheck.radio. We're going to be busy gardening over the next few weeks. Lots happening. We got through the winter with Wally, and now we get to the exciting bit. Thank you for listening. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.